Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. The ability to do something difficult for a sustained period of time is what gives you confidence. And basically preparation is confidence. If you know that you can prepare for anything, you walk into the room with an air of confidence. No one's gonna believe in you until you believe in yourself. You should be your biggest fan. Hello friends, welcome to the Live Boldly podcast with Sarah Shelton Kranz. This is an inspiring podcast for those seeking proven ways of healing, growing, and transcending their lives. I am a legendary leader in healing, acclaimed author, keynote, and TEDx speaker, a mom, an adventurer, and a believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, every other week I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from hand-picked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Live Boldly Podcast with Sarah Shelton Kranz. Today I have on Cam F. Awesome. Yes, that is his name. He is awesome. Go grab your journals, listen to this incredible conversation. He is a keynote speaker, diversity consultant, event MC, and a multi-time national champion, heavyweight Olympic boxer. Yes. As a motivational speaker, Cam shares lessons he's learned traveling to 30 plus countries as captain of Team USA. Cam's Olympic journey was featured in the Netflix original documentary, Counterpunch. We're talking all things resilience and really tough mindset here, okay? Before I dive in with Cam, I want to remind you that we have a retreat coming up, Florence Williams and myself, in July. It is in the San Juan Mountains. Very similar yet different than the one that we did last year. Same place. I will tell you, you will find me after hours in the outdoor hot tub. It is all natural, sitting underneath the stars. It is an all-women's retreat. We are going to be diving in from nature healing, forest bathing, coaching, just connection of women sharing stories, Reiki healing. It is incredible what has happened up in that space. Uh, what happened there last year was just absolutely beautiful. The hiking is awesome. Did I mention how beautiful it is up there? And uh, it is right outside of Telluride. So if you are interested, please go into my website, sarahsholtoncrans.com. You will find information there probably after February 1st. We will be opening up uh, all reservations. And yes, it is a limited amount of reservations available. Florence Williams is a, an incredible woman, an awesome author. She's so brilliant with the work that she does. Uh, she wrote The Nature Fix, best-selling author, and also Heartbreak. She went through her own journey of rediscovery and finding self through the, her own heartbreak in life. She wrote about it in her book. It is amazing. I have had her on my podcast a couple of times. So if you have not listened to it, go into the depths of this podcast and find the two episodes that I did with her. Now, I have some other really exciting news. It looks like they might be opening reservations again for the Grand Canyon. What? So the reason we had stopped these is because the National Park Service was uh, going to be redoing the water pipeline throughout the canyon. It looks like that might be on hold. They may be opening reservations back up. I'm not 100% sure yet, so just (laughs) hold, please. That said, do keep listening and paying attention. If you have not subscribed to my newsletter, do that. SarahSheltonKranz.com. You will find it, uh, the link within my website, so that you can stay updated on if and when those reservations open and we have another retreat. I love these signature, signature retreats. They are my jam space, as you know. Yes, I am getting into uh, working with women's leadership retreats. Stay tuned for that. And also working and speaking on the new art of resilience, which is very exciting. Uh, it is a it is a very empowering way to step into the space of thriving uh, when you have been the victim and survivor in your own life. 
So please stay tuned to all things that are happening and let's get you in. If it is something that you've wanted to do, well, guess what? You might have actually be able to do it now. So let's dive in with Cam. Growing up, Cam dealt with academic and social challenges. Bullying and anxiety led him to join a boxing gym to protect himself. Cam had tried out but was unable to make any teams he had tried out for. Boxing was the only available choice since no team had to be made. Cam quickly fell in love with the sport. He realized his potential to be great and dedicated every waking moment to be the best boxer possible. Cam's mental toughness served as a superpower in the ring. Within two years in the sport in 2008, Cam won the national championship claiming the title as the number one super heavyweight boxer in the country. Cam holds four Golden Gloves championships, six U.S. championships, three Pale National Championships, six Ringside Championships, and three Olympic Trials. Cam holds holds the title as the winningest boxer in USA boxing history. His accomplishments are impressive, but pale in comparison to the losses he has accumulated to reach this point. His story of resilience is so inspiring. It's featured in the Netflix original documentary, Counterpunch. During his motivational speeches, he shares how he faced adversities in and outside of the ring with a championship mindset. Boxing is the greatest metaphor because everyone is fighting their own battles. That is some truth right there. This is what makes Cam's message so relatable. If you can fail without being discouraged, success becomes inevitable. That is a quote Cam lives by. Cam's secret to remaining resilient through ups and downs is keeping a positive mindset through practicing gratitude. You may miss 100% of the shots you don't take, but no one asks for your field goal percentage when you become successful. Is that not the truth? Jordan had his game six moment only because he lost two games previously in that series. That is another quote by Cam. Cam has been featured in several print and internet publications and digital media outlets, including ESPN, Sports Nation, ESPN's Highly Questionable, Washington Post, Yahoo Sports, Team USA, Bleacher Report, Rolling Stone, and the list goes on and on. So go grab your journals, listen to this conversation. If you can take it outside, I always say that's the place to be. Open up your mind, your heart, your body, your soul to this incredible conversation and all that you will learn about the true just the depth of resilience and having a powerful mindset. Gratitude is a big source here. So I would suggest giving yourself a little time after this and doing your own gratitude journal, your gratitude list, and let's make this world a better place together. Please share this episode with your friends, your family, on your social media. Tag me, let me then reshare in my social media too. Because guess what, everyone? We are in this life together, whether we realize it all of the time or not. We are eternally connected, me to you. And if I have not said this yet today, and if you have not heard it from somebody else, because I know I do, and every single one of my social media posts like this, I believe in you, us, always. I love you and have a wonderful time listening to this incredible podcast episode. Thank you, Cam, for being here. Cam Awesome. And that's your real name, right? Cam F. Awesome. Cam F. Awesome. I like freaking love your name. Um, I am so excited to have you on this episode with us. So we have this mutual friend that reached out to me and she's like, I've got this person that you might want to consider having a conversation with. And then I looked you up and I was like, holy shit. Yes, we can swear on this podcast. And I said, yay. (laughs) I know. And I was like, I need to know this guy. And uh, for many reasons, number one, you and I have some similarities in terms of speaking about resilience. So grab your journals, everyone, because this is going to be an incredible conversation. And I love your freaking story. I love, love, love your freaking story. What even got you into this work? So I want to start with that. First of all, welcome. And then I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey of what you, what brought you here to our lives crossing right now. Uh, I would say so. My journey starts uh, born and raised Long Island, New York, and dealt with uh, dealt with insecurity issues and dealt with what I thought was extreme bullying. Uh, and because of this bullying, I joined the boxing gym to learn how to fight and defend myself uh, against bullies. Uh, as I got older. I learned about anxiety. Mm. So in middle school, I started volunteering the nurse's office during my lunch hour because I was terrified of being in a lunchroom. 
Uh, part of that was because of bullying, but I believe part of that was anxiety. And I didn't know what to do and I would get panicky. And if someone looked at me the wrong way or smiled at me the wrong way or made a joke at me, I would just melt down. And so I think it was part part bullying and part uh, being uh, seeing myself as a victim in 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 a way of it. And going to the boxing gym helped with my confidence, but it didn't help with my anxiety. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. So you're a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. So so, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I got into boxing and I figured out a pretty simple formula. Uh, One plus two equals three. In this equation, you are one. The reason why is you should always be your own number one. No one's going to believe in you until you believe in yourself. You should be your biggest fan. You are number one in this equation. In this equation, number three is your goal. One plus two equals three. Two is what you need to do to accomplish that goal. Here's the thing. You can be happy when you do this. You can be sad when you do this. You can be hungry. You can be resentful but regardless you have to have number two to get it done so one plus two equals three one is you three is what you need to get three is the goal two is what you need to get done the reason why i call number two number two because it is what it sounds like it's the shitty part of the job it's the hard work and i figured out most people don't they don't want to do number two so in boxing i number two like no one else I number two until I was number one. I love it. Because I did all the training, all the hard work, and all that type of stuff to become number one. Uh, and once I figured out that formula in boxing, I did it once. I won my first national championship at 18. And at that moment, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to continue to do all the work that I need to do to be number one. And I remained number one for about uh, – a little over 10 years in, in the U.S. Dang. I was going to take up boxing. Nobody knows that. That's the first time I actually have put this public. You I should. Wanted, I, I, well, you know what? I've actually thought about it. I wanted to beat the shit out of stuff. I was coming out of my trauma. And it literally, we're coming up by nine years this week, by the way. Nine years ago this week. Over Thanksgiving is when everything happened. And for the longest time, I had so much rage and anger in me, which I would bet if I was a betting girl that uh, you probably felt some of that too, where it was just like, you know, when you're bullied or when you're having different things happen in your life, you, you develop this, yes, anxiety, yes, doubt maybe in yourself. And for me, it was also a lot of anger and rage. And I just wanted to beat the shit out of something. And I remember somebody saying to me, well, go take up boxing. But you know why I didn't take up boxing, Cam? Why? Because it was inside. Because I didn't want to be inside. I literally could, I did not want to be in a smelly gym. And so, so instead, <laughs> so instead, I didn't belong to a gym. So instead, I took my paddleboard and I would paddle out onto the ocean and I would beat the shit out of the ocean with my paddle. And literally, that's what I beat up instead. Yeah. That said, now I've kind of turned the corner and I'm like, you know, it might be kind of fun to go into a gym and just like beat something up. I don't have the rage and anger anymore, but, you know, it'd be fun. Oh, to do. so rage and anger make you a worse fighter now uh Ooh, people don't realize metaphorical it. of life too <gasps> oh that's good so here we go in in boxing all the really tough guys like you go to weigh-ins and there's guys with their shirt off beating their chest they want you to know that they're there and they're real tough uh those are the guys i like to fight uh because those guys are very insecure Oh. Now, when you go to nationals, there's a group of dudes probably sitting on the floor giggling with each other. Those are the killers. Dang, the happy ones are the Those killers. Are the, they're the one that's so confident that they don't need to pretend to be tough. And when I got what the first thing I learned in boxing is once I learned how to fight, I no longer had to. This is why I think it's important for everyone to have their kids join boxing, whether they compete or not, because Lil Steven is going to the box. Lil Steven's getting bullied, right? 
He starts going to the boxing gym. He's just hitting the bag and doing jumping jacks. Steven can't fight for his life. But after about three or four months, everyone hears that Steven's going to the boxing gym. Like, don't mess with Steven. He's a boxer. And then Steven starts walking around like, yeah, don't mess with me. I'm a boxer. And no one mo- no one messes with the kid that says, don't mess with me. I'm a boxer. Still, Steven cannot fight. But no one picks on Steven because he's no longer a target. Because Steven has confidence. And that's what boxing gives you. Wow. And it can be anything. The, the ability to do something difficult for a sustained period of time is what makes what gives you confidence. And basically, preparation is confidence. If you know that you can prepare for anything, you walk into the room with an air of confidence. Now, here's the problem that we run into. But confident people make insecure people uncomfortable. Mm. Confident people make insecure people uncomfortable. Yep. So we have this whole concept in life of we we lower ourselves down. Uh, I w- I remember I was speaking to this this I was speaking to a speaker once, and she told me, "I just kind of got into speaking. I have a TED talk." <laughs> Who was that person, Cam? <laughs> yeah. You, I'm like that was me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of speaking. I was like, yeah, I have a TED talk. I'm like, we, we don't even celebrate ourselves. It comes so naturally, so and you said, and here's the thing. Here's why you believe words are powerful, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the word forgive in the dictionary needs to get changed. The definition needs to get changed because of what it says. So yes, a hundred percent. What is it? Right now, it's the process of uh, to forgive and forget. That's like the the verb part of it. Yeah. So needless to say, we got to work on that. That's what my TED Talk's about. <laughs> it's about the definition of forgiveness. Literally. Okay. So I am, what are, what are your thoughts on humble, humbleness? So I, I love this conversation. Uh, being humble is something that I was brought up to be. Be very humble. Be very gracious. Put others first, right? And um lead without an ego. Can you believe that I actually wrote that in my book? The, the Like literally the process of leading without an ego. And what I've realized through my journey, and I, I need, really would, I, that's the one sentence in my book that I would take out because I believe in our journey that we need ego. We need a healthy ego. We need to be able to step into our confidence, into our courage and our bravery. I was telling somebody this morning that it wasn't until I was on the most dangerous pass of the most dangerous uh, tr- route in the United States, which I climbed this summer, this year, a high route, literally there's no trail. You're using waypoints on your phone to climb through the mountains. And I was on the side of the most dangerous pass. And I looked out and I went, oh, I'm, I'm pretty badass. Look at where I am right now. <laughs> and it's, and it's the, the problem that I've had. And I don't know if it was also because of society when I grew up, I'm 49. If it was also um, my community of where I grew up, Uh, The words that were spoken to me throughout my life, which do have impact, I was bullied as a young child. Um, And I don't know if it was all of that combined. I was bullied throughout different parts of my life within my relationships. And it's taken me a lot to step into, yeah, Sarah, like you're, you're pretty badass. You are a speaker. You do matter. You do... I have major worthiness in this world. Yes, you do have to get out there and speak more. Here's the other thing. If I'm feeling this way, and if I have felt this way, then there are so many other people in this world, my age and not, that have also felt this way. And they need to also have that space and time and understanding that they don't have to feel that way either. Sarah, what if I told you I found the root issue of this? Ooh, but it. it's so connected to society that no one wants to hear it. You bring it. Okay. Uh, and you bring up the definition of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have your phone, look up the definition of humble. I don't have my phone in front of uh, me. Or, or Google it. Or Oh, Google it? Okay. Well, I'm going to Google. I'm going to Google the word, the definition of humble. Okay. Bring me the first one and then tell me. Uh, and do you have kids? I do. I do have kids. I have three boys. Think think about, would you want to put this definition on your child? Read me the first definition. 
having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Holy moly. Does that sound like something you want to put on your child? Well, considering that my son, (laughs) my one son played, plays for USC in water polo and they just won uh, MPSF yesterday. No. And my other son won in their major basketball tournament this weekend. No. (laughs) Congrats, by the way. I would not. (laughs) Now, read me the second definition. Of low social, administrative, or political rank. Wow. Would you want that for your children? Read me the third definition. Lower, some, or in quote, someone in dignity or importance. Okay, this is, this is, this now, is, wow. Now, now I, I will caveat. Sure, you may be humble in the eye of the Lord, but Sarah, you're not the Lord. I don't need to be humble to you. Wow. So often... We lower ourselves down and we humble ourselves to make other people feel comfortable. Because if we're here and everyone else is here, confident people make insecure people uncomfortable. So what we do is we don't celebrate our wins. Mm. We, we say, oh, I'm not really a speaker, even though I have a TED Talk, because you don't want to make anyone feel bad. You, we make ourselves feel so small. And if everyone collectively lowers themselves, we're going for the lowest common denominator. But I have a different thinking. I changed my last name to awesome legally. Why? Because I think I'm awesome. I love but the you. thing is, Sarah, I think you're awesome as well. Well, I definitely think you're awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And I do think I'm pretty you. awesome. <laughs> you sound pretty awesome. I I, I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you are. And it's the thing is, there's no, there's, there's no shortness of compliments in this world. Right. So it's not like you can't say it's not it shouldn't be shunned for you to say that you're good at something because it doesn't automatically mean someone else is bad at something. Right. I'm let's say I'm really good at cooking. Maybe you're really good at sewing. I doesn't doesn't why are we competing against each other? I want to celebrate what you're good at, celebrate what I'm good at. But I'm not I don't expect you to make yourself smaller. Think about the people in our lives that when something good happens to us, we're like, mm, I'm not gonna mention to them. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. This is um a re- that I had no idea that was the definition in the dictionary. Can we change that one? Is, Let's start making a list. Yeah. People will hear that definition and fight it. And then I will say, "Well, what does humble mean?" And they'll say, "Not to have an ego." And I'll say, "Look up ego." Mm. Can I look up ego? Look up ego and read the definition. I'm going to look up ego. Tell me if ego is something negative. You know, words are powerful. Words are so powerful. They're so powerful. There are many, many that need to change. A person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Really? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You should have an ego, shouldn't you? If you want to accomplish anything. You should. Absolutely, you should. Wow. So this this is why I changed my last name to awesome, but I don't normally have this much time to explain that to someone. So they just think I'm a douchebag. <laughs> it's right because away. I have to believe in myself. Well, I knew right away. I was like, is that his real name? She goes, oh, that's his real name. And I said, I've got to meet this person. That is, <laughs> that is, that is, that is awesome. <laughs> so, Wow. Yeah, I uh, I need to go change that sentence in the book for sure, <laughs> because I and I remember writing that sentence and and thinking to myself, even when I wrote it, gosh, do I really do I really? And, you know, when I wrote it, I'm now realizing that it was more of society's beliefs or what I was taught. And I did literally say I was taught to never lead with ego. And that's also a part of the problem with how my own journey ended up how I stepped into some of the spaces that I did and I'm no longer in. So there you go, because I have a healthy ego. Yes. And, <laughs> and we should, you should all have a healthy ego. Yes. Yeah. We should be building each other up, not forcing each other to be smaller. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Tell me about, so, so you became a boxer. You are winning all of these championships. Super cool. What got you into speaking about all of this? Uh, so I was winning all these games. So I won uh, within two years. I qualified for the 2008 Olympic trials. I lost 
But I realized uh, most boxers turn pro after the Olympics or they quit. So I was like, if I stick around, which is unheard of, I'll be one of the best around. So I stuck around and I ended up winning nationals in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, I won the Olympic trials and was the first boxer to ever be suspended and kicked off the Olympic team for not filling out paperwork. Wait, what? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I got suspended and kicked off the Olympic team for not sending an email in. So I left the country to fight in Azerbaijan, a country I've been to four times, but cannot spell without spell check. (laughs) And I forgot to tell the drug testing agency I was leaving the country. They showed up to my house in Kansas City to give me a random drug test. A missed drug test is a positive drug test. I was suspended for a positive drug test, even though I tested negative in Azerbaijan that same week by that same drug testing organization to even fight in the tournament. But it was a few months after Lance Armstrong's interview aired on Oprah Uh and the drug testing agency cracked down on 13 athletes. I was one of them. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I am so sorry about that. It made me awesome because I had a very, I, I had a rough time with it. It was because I was suspended for a year. I couldn't do the only thing I knew how to do. I was 23 years old and I had the Olympics pulled from, like I was training for the Olympics. And then months before it happened, I found out I couldn't go. Uh, I was depressed, gained a lot of weight uh, and started drinking a lot uh, and lost a bet and had to be vegan for 28 days. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. I lost a bet at some point of the suspension. I had to be vegan for 28 days. Uh, I didn't realize that the bet entails sobriety or the diet entails sobriety. Mm. So then I had to get sober for the first time during the suspension. Mm. Uh, this brought to me a whole new level of clarity. Uh, I understood it, it got me out of the negative reality I created for myself. Uh, it was a lot of pity, a lot of anger. Uh, and uh, I lost 32 pounds in 28 days. And I realized like, oh, I still got it. I still got a little bit of it. Uh, but I was trying to get back into the swing and get back into training and become a fighter again. But Every time I would get two or three days into working out, I would just fall off. And I couldn't get myself to be consistent. And I know many of us struggle with finding, being able to be consistent in anything. And I thought back to when I was in high school and I started boxing. When I would walk to the gym, I walked six miles to the gym every day, five days a week. It would take me three hours. Uh, And I didn't have music, so I would just make up stories. And in all these stories... If I'm gonna make up stories, I'm gonna be the protagonist of my own story. So I was like 17 years old making these stories about the cows kicking everyone's ass. Every girl wanted to be with me, I had the greatest body, I was rich, I was winning all these fights. These were the things I would constantly tell myself for three hours. Affirmations before actions. I would literally think that for three hours and then go work out. I was some people would say I was cocky, I had so much confidence. That's why I was winning all the time. I knew I was great. And then after I got suspended. I started beating myself up all the time over everything. Like think about how many times you, you you go to text someone to ask them a favor, Mm -hmm. like your sister or someone. And then you realize you didn't respond to their last text message. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, Oh, Sarah, you're such an idiot. Oh, and we just constantly, we do these things where we, we beat ourselves up. And Sarah, how would you feel if your son spoke to you the way you speak about yourself sometimes? Yeah, I, I don't do that as much anymore, only because oh. I did that way too much for so long. And it's been a lot of unraveling of my own patterns and behaviors and what I've been now using. I use the tools that I teach other people. So, uh, Perfect. you know, it's like, because, and for me, that was self-forgiveness. It, that's why the definition, that's why I did the TED Talk, because I was the first person to beat myself up before anybody else did. And so stepping into my own self-forgiveness and understanding my patterns, what got me there, how will I do it differently next time? Forgive yourself, move on, do different, right? Like 
step into the next part. And so I don't do that. And I don't, I don't, I try not to. And I mean, I'm human, human. like it happens. Right. But like, not at all. Like it used to. Uh, In 2012, like uh, when I decided to change my last name, that's when I made the decision. I'm not beating myself up anymore. Good for you. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no for anyone else. I'm going to, I'm not going to be afraid to ask for anything. I'm, I'm not afraid to hear no. Uh, I'm going to be my biggest fan. I should be on my, always be my own number one. Uh, and I'm going to believe in myself a hundred percent. I changed my last name to awesome. I returned to boxing, uh, reclaimed my spot as number one uh, boxer in the country, in my weight class, uh, regained my spot as captain of the USA national boxing team. Uh, won nationals in 2013, 14, 15, 16, and then 2016 won the Olympic trials uh, to go to the Rio Olympics. And, uh, and then I lost an international competition and then get to go to the Rio games. Mm. So uh, I didn't get to go to the Olympics, but I decided I learned a lot from this. And the reason why I actually wanted to start boxing was so I can travel, see the world, the game life experience. So in 2016, I lost an Olympic trials, came back to the United States a week later, joined the National Speakers Association, went to their national conference and started my speaking business. Uh, a year later, went on my first speaking tour, uh, bought a van, was living out of my van, uh, for three years, speaking at high schools, middle schools, emceeing veg fest, uh, galas, doing comedy shows, uh, while training for the Olympics. And after winning the 2020 Olympic trials, uh, the pandemic happened. I didn't get to go to the games. Jeez. So the story of resilience, as you can see, is the whole idea of continuing to go because the idea is if you can fail without being discouraged, success becomes inevitable. Yeah. So if if you can just fail and be okay with it and try again, you will eventually become experienced enough to get good enough to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish. But so many of us quit before we get great. I think that is actually so many of us quit before we get great. I think that like that's such that quote needs to be front and center because I agree. I see it so so often myself where with people, I mean, I've been questioned like what got you into this work and you know, how did you, how did you not give up on yourself or what made you think that what made you just know that you could step into guiding people through the Grand Canyon when you're a 40 I mean, at that point, I was 43, 43 year old mom of three kids. You're so you know, well, thanks. I appreciate that. So are you. And it, I think that the thing that I learned in my journey of trauma happening and disappointments and, you know, my marriage ending and just so much stuff was the fact that if I'm not going to do it, who is? You have to be a model for other people, including my kids, right? And it's a space for leadership. It's a space for personal leadership. And were there failures along the way? Hell yeah, many, 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 many. And I think the greatest lessons happen in our failures. It's how we get up again. Yeah. Uh, that's So I, I speak about that. So in boxing, I never made a team before. I made. I, I tried out for every team in boxing. I just, boxing, you didn't have to make a team. So I got to be a part of it. And I, I'm the most decorated boxer in U.S. history. I've won more boxing matches than anyone else in the sport. And I'm not even that good. Like, <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> seriously. So I have more losses than the average. I've got 39 losses. That's a lot. So my greatness doesn't come from the fact that I'm good. It's just that I never gave up. I just competed more than everyone else. If I lost to someone, it's usually because they knew something that I didn't know. But after they showed it to me, now I know it, don't I? Yeah. So I just take that lesson and fight again. And even though I lost a lot, I still won more than anyone else. But the idea is you can have greatness through resilience. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be flawless. You can be very much flawed and be great. I wrote in a a post today in my LinkedIn post that the greatest teams peak during their most high pressure moments, right? And I think that that's true for all of us is that we have these moments that become very high pressure if it's 
you know, with you with, okay, what are you going to do now? You have this, you could have, you could have gone into a direction of destruction or you could have gone into this direction of rising. That's your, that's your pressure moment, right? It's like pressure cooker moment. And when we can actually peak and rise during that pressure cooker moment in our lives, which we have many times, I mean, we have them every single freaking day. I had a few ready this morning, you know, and it's like, rise into that space, breathe, rise, breathe, breathe, rise, breathe, rise. And uh, that's where we learn more about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's we're anti-fragile. The more we go through, the stronger we become, but we have this thought process of we don't want to put ourselves through much. Right. Because we don't want to get weakened. Like, no, no, that's, that's going to make you stronger. Right. Right. So can I ask you a question? <clears throat> I know I'm you're going to say, book. sure, anything, whatever. I'm an, what the I'm hell an was the bet book. that you lost? What the hell was a bet that you lost that you had to go vegan for? Who? Like, what brought that? Like, what was the bet that you lost? It was stupid. It was Manny Pacquiao. No, it, it was wasn't clearly, because if it was stupid, it wouldn't have gotten you to where you are. So that was a life-altering bet. So have you heard of Manny Pacquiao? No, I have no idea what that is. Oh, he's a boxer. Oh, who that he's is? Like, I have no idea who that yeah, is. <laughs> yeah. Manny Pacquiao, he's like one of the world's most famous boxers. Got it. Uh, he fought a guy named Timothy Bradley, who I'm sure none of your listeners are part of because I hadn't even heard of him. So someone gave me a bet and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a sucker's bet. Uh, and I bet on Pacquiao because, of course, Pacquiao is going to win. And the bet was like, I would have won $100, but... If I lost, I would have to be vegan for 28 days. I lost a bet to vegans. Uh, like fun fact, though, I felt so good after the 28 days that I said, I'm not going to be vegan because I didn't know any vegan people and everything I heard about them means they're weird. But I feel so good. I'm just going to do this a little bit longer. Uh, and then I did it a little bit longer. And I said, well, I'm just going to do this until I find a reason to no longer be vegan. Uh, and it's been over 10 years now. Wow. So that was 10 years ago. I can understand why you were like, I'm not doing this route because I don't understand it either. Like who does that? Wow. So lesson learned in all of that is what? I mean, there's so many I could throw out there. (laughs) there. Uh, Be a person of your word. If you lose a bet, do do what you're supposed to do. (laughs) That's, That's one of the lessons there. Uh, and another lesson is, uh, just the whole idea is if you can fail without being discouraged, uh, cause, and, and, and I'm not lawless. I mean, at some points I get frustrated, but I do understand like one plus two equals three. If I want three, I'm going to have to do two, no matter what. So I can be happy, sad, hungry, whatever, resentful. So I'm more likely to continue when I'm positive. Mm-hmm. So I always try to look for something to be happy about. And that's why uh, my gratitude practice, my daily gratitude practice means so much to me. It's it's the way I start my day. Uh, The way many of us start our day, our phone is our alarm clock. Our alarm clock goes off. What do we do? We hit snooze. We do math in nine minute increments. And then we check our notifications. We understand how the news works. If it bleeds, it leads. The worst is shown first. So we wake up. We yawn, we stretch, we wipe our eyes, and we start downloading bad information. Every time I get on Twitter, it's hashtag RIP, someone I grew up loving. Like people die every day, but people have always died every day. This is just the first time that we've been able to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And it's overwhelming. So I read Think and Grow Rich. Oh, Napoleon Hills. of course. You... Now, when I read that book, I said, I'm going to do, before I even opened it up, I said, if I'm going to read someone's book, because I do this all the time, we read books and because we respect someone's opinion enough to read their book, but not take any of the actions in the book. We get to the exercise and we're like, mm, I'll do it later. You know, you're not going to do it later. You're lying to yourself. Think about all those exercises that you said you were going to do later. How many have we actually done? So when I opened up Thing and Grow Rich, I said I was going to do everything in this book, no matter how woo-woo it sound, how hokey-pokey. And it worked. And I'm like, because all this is channeling money. I'm like, well, if you can channel money, can you channel happiness? 
So I decided every morning when I wake up, before I look at my phone where I download bad information, bad news, uh, I'm going to write a list of 10 things I'm grateful for. Every day I wake up, I write a list of 10 things I'm grateful for. I never repeat anything on this list. After 30 days, I have 300 reasons why I should wake up on day number 31. Mm-hmm. So some things that go along with this practice, uh, you're going to want to, after, of course, when you first start, I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my car. I'm grateful for my washer. I'm grateful for my dryer. Those are two different things. You can be grateful for everything. But after a while, you start to run out of things to be grateful for. Then it would start to take me by day, by week two, it would take me 10, 15 minutes to come up with 10 new things to be grateful for. So what I would do is I would look for things to be grateful for throughout my day, store it in my memory, call it delayed gratification and write my list faster the next morning, because I still really do want to look at my phone. Now, uh, another thing to do with this list is uh, life happens. Sarah, you said you have three boys, right? Yeah. Uh, You've had friends that you said, we're going to be friends forever. And then you had people you work with. You're like, we're going to be friends forever. But, you know, life happens. And there are people in your life that you don't, you're not even thinking of right now. And it's not that you're mad at them. It's not that you hate them. It's just like people move. You get different jobs. You have kids. You get married. You get divorced. Things happen. And you lose contact with a lot of people. Now, I don't add anyone's name to my journal unless I'm willing to reach out to them that day out of context and tell them that I love them and appreciate them. Ooh. This stops me from just writing random names in my gratitude journal. Like, I'm grateful for this person. I'm grateful for that. And what this practice has done is it has reconnected and rekindled so many lost friendships over the years. Because I'm just sitting in front of my notebook every morning like, oh, ooh, Marlene. And then I'll send Marlene a picture of us having lunch. Years ago, I'm like, hey, Marlene, love you. Can't wait to have lunch with you sometime again. Now, even if she doesn't respond, I know when she sees it, she smiles. That alone makes me smile. But to show you how contagious gratitude is, I've been doing this for two years. And now my friends randomly text me that they love me. And they don't even know why they're doing it. I love that. So I know that somebody is going to ask this question right now because I am right now too. I know that I'm grateful for some of the experiences I've had with some of the, even the most toxic humans in my life, because I've learned from it. I would write that down in my gratitude journal, but I certainly would not call them. That's understandable. Because I wouldn't open that door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I know if I'm thinking this, then other people are probably thinking this too, because it's okay. You can be grateful for the experiences that you've had, even with the most difficult humans in your life uh doesn't mean you have to open that door in fact don't <laughs> in yeah, fact, yeah don't sounds like don't don't so, so when i when i share my gratitude practice uh i let everyone know how i do it yeah uh, and i do mine every day but tweak it see I, 10 is a lot yeah 10 is a lot some people just do three i do 10 because i go hard in the paint i want my life to be full of gratitude it's what matters to me it's what i value so perfect examples there so uh, let's say that you and I are at, a, at having coffee, right? We're at, we're at a Starbucks and a spider comes down, right? You're not afraid of spiders. No. I'm terrified of spiders. You see the spider, you don't flinch. I start screaming. My heart starts pounding. I start sweating. In my reality, I'm in danger. In your reality, you're okay. In objective reality, we're okay. But in my reality, in heart of hearts, I'm in danger. I believe I'm in danger. My heart rate responds that way because that is my reality. Our reality is real. Mm -hmm. What are we doing to cultivate the reality around us? Mm. This gratitude journal is something that I do to make that happiness in my life. I, I run into people who say they struggle with anxiety as well. And I struggle with anxiety, but then they'll tell me about the three-hour murder mystery that they binge before going to bed. Is that cultivate? Is because we have to be conscious of our diet, right? Right. Not just, right. Not just what we listen to, what we hear, and if you're dealing with it, like so. Perfect example. My girl loves Survivor. We're going to start. We, we started watching the show Survivor together. We're going to start season one, and 
and we started watching and it would right before bed and it would it, it's a lot of backstabbing and conniving and then i would have dreams about it and i realized i was letting this type of environment into my sanctuary my life and i told her i was like oh, i can't watch this with you anymore and she's like ah oh, you're weird but like i don't watch i don't watch anything with, with too much hate too much crime too much murder because you're responsible for your reality i don't even watch the news i don't either i grab the i grab what i need to and that's because it's just it's yeah no i i i love I love this conversation because I'm constantly telling people about you have your home. Your home is not only a physical space. Your home is your mental, emotional, spiritual body space. If you think about your home as being in a bubble, right? Like you're, you're, it's filled with love. It's filled with compassion, empathy, gratitude, all of the things that make us happy. Only welcome people into that home that really can step into that same space with you and only welcome the experiences and the material items that also add to the core values that you hold. Because if, you know, you're not going to, who is? Again. Yeah, and I, I found people will treat you just uh-huh. as bad as you're willing to treat yourself. Uh-huh. Just as bad as you're willing to treat yeah. yourself. Amen. Oh, oh, you're willing to stay in late a little bit longer and not spend time with your family because they know you'll do that. Oh, well, they'll always lean on you for that. Mm-hmm. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And and what I used to think is if I set boundaries, no one will like me. I found out no one likes you if you don't have boundaries. They just walk all over you. Yep. When you start to set boundaries, that's when people start to respect you and they start to like you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very, this has been the year for me of setting some really good ones. And I have to say, I've never been happier. Know your worth, queen. Know your worth, queen. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's been, it's been a hell of a journey. (laughs) It's been a hell of a nine years. And here we are talking about gratitude the same, the same week that like my life imploded nine years ago. And so it's, it's really, I think that it's super important for us to also look back on that and have gratitude for simply the journey that we've walked through. And the thing that I always say though, too, is don't give power where power is not due. So in other words, when I sit in gratitude, I don't sit in gratitude for the shit that happened to me. I sit in gratitude for myself to have walked through that shit and come outside on the other side, a lot happier and healthier because of it. You can have gratitude in the experience, but make sure that that gratitude is placed, that power is placed into self for having the courage and the bravery to actually have done the work to come out on the other side with who you are. Yeah. Uh, And another thing to add about the whole gratitude practice and the reason why it works. And I found this out because I went down to a TikTok rabbit hole. TikTok. What is with TikTok? Are you on TikTok? uh, I don't post. I just... uh, I go down rabbit holes from time to time when I want to learn about conspiracies. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't need to. I finally to got on TikTok. It. Go follow me on TikTok. I'm actually, I'm actually <laughs> kind of liking it. As yeah, funny as it is. <laughs> you can learn. A, it, it is what you make it. And I went yeah. down and rabbit hole and found out about your reticular activating system. Are you familiar with this? No. What is that? It's your RAS. So it's your brain takes in 40 billion with a B, 40 billion bits of information every moment, not every second, every moment, 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 a lot of information. Things you see in your peripheral, you see it, but your unconscious mind doesn't show it to your conscious mind because it's not relevant to you. Mm. So have, have you ever looked at a long sheet, like a big sheet of paper with a bunch of words, but then you could just spot out the curse word? Yes, 100%. That's because your brain can see everything, but it only allows your conscious mind to see what's relevant. And you like curse words. So, <laughs> so perfect example. Uh, if you decided to buy a yellow car and then for the next week, you start to see yellow cars everywhere. Yes. Has something like that ever happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. Do you, do you think someone just showed up the morning before and just painted all the cars yellow? No. They've always been there. They just haven't been relevant to you. Right. And now that you're able to be aware of it, you're conscious of it. Now, 
when you wake up every morning and look for 10 things to be grateful for, your brain starts to look for things to be grateful for. So after three weeks, it becomes increasingly easier to find 10 things because your brain starts to look for things. So when something happens in your life, your brain doesn't see something negative. It connects all the positive things to it. Now, my life is filled with positive things. No, no, no. There's not anything more to be positive for today than it was yesterday. It's just that it's relevant to me. Gratitude is relevant to me. And I'm able to be aware of it. And now that I'm aware of it, I'm conscious of all the things to be grateful for. So I'm a happier person. So you're rewiring the thoughts, the beliefs. You're rewiring your whole brain. And the thing is, it's free. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) so is nature healing. And I tell people that same thing. I'm like, it's free. Go outside. (laughs) Why no one's selling it? (laughs) Science backed, by the way, baby. Same as this. Science backed. What's crazy is when people's like, when I've heard happiness is inside you. And I'm like, I've been looking all over for this shit and was just here. Oh. <laughs> I know. So I was having a conversation because I'm we leave tomorrow to go to the Grand Canyon and we're going to start hiking down in on Wednesday. And there are a few things where I push people out of their comfort zone to get to the space. Exactly what you I mean, this is all this stuff like this is all we're talking about, too, right? And having gratitude in nature and slowing our brain and being able to refocus and have awareness for what's important. Uh, And this particular group, anxiety, I'm just going to say, like, there's a lot of anxiety about it. And some of it's because we're also starting under a new moon, meaning no moon, and we're going to be starting in the dark under the stars, which is amazing. I don't notice the darkness. I notice the stars. Gratitude. (laughs) You can't have stars without darkness, by the way. And so I keep telling them, like... Isn't it great? It's going to be the darkest of sky. And they're like, oh my God, like, who are you? And why do you do this shit? Like, that's all I get from that. I always, like, there's one person in particular who has sent me text messages, so many text messages. And she's like, you are officially crazy on the best way possible. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's that's (laughs) good. You don't want to be, the last thing you ever want to be is normal. Oh, exactly. Exactly. What I spoke to them about was, when we are stepping into our self-doubt, we are literally staying in that space of wiring our brain into what is not possible. And so if we can look at self-doubt as an opportunity to shift perspective into what is possible and use it as you literally use it as a means of saying, okay, I have self-doubt that I'm feeling like, can I do this? Is this even possible? And instead of stepping in, because what we feed grows, right? So if you're going to feed the self-doubt, And if you literally step into the self-doubt, and the other thing is we put so many expectations on ourselves that it's like, why put so many expectations on yourself? Why not just step in and see what is available to us instead of saying, okay, I have to expect this. This is what has to happen. Well, okay. By saying that you're literally limiting yourself instead of saying, okay, well, like I want to get on a stage with a thousand people. Why are you living it at a thousand? Why not say, I want to get on the world stage? whatever is right. Like 500,000 people, a million people, the world, like the universe, why limit yourself? And so when we are stepping into self-doubt and if that quote expectation that we've already put on ourselves, which by the way is already limited, doesn't happen. We literally then say to ourselves, see, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So then we go back into the story of why the F try this again? So then we're literally yeah. limiting ourselves not only by the expectations, but by the story that you are now telling yourself that you started with. And so my point being, let's smash that self-doubt. I love that. I love that. If perfect example, if your goal is, let's say that your your genuine goal is to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're gonna hit a hump at the sixty thousand dollar mark and wonder how the hell am I ever gonna make it to a hundred K? Yep. If your goal was $1 million, you would make it to 600K. And then you would hit that mark. How the hell am I going to get over 1 million? And you know how, I know the way how you can get over 1 million. Set your goal for 10 million. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Set your goal for 10 million. (laughs) That's, 
people we, we're so we're limited by our own beliefs. Yeah. We put a ceiling above ourselves because we will always be as successful as we expect to be. Yeah. And here's the thing is that also goes into the definitions that we started with, by the way, because, <laughs> let's call it what it is because you know, that's words matter. Words really matter. The words that we have in society, the words that we have been constructed for us, not what are internally from us. And, uh, and we really need to, we really need to start stepping out of that, which I love like that whole ego thing, humble thing. Like, dude, I am taking that to my kids. I am taking uh, my that girlfriend to my kids. told me yesterday, my girlfriend told me yesterday that, uh, my internal dialogue is a positive affirmation. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I I think so highly of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of everyone. I mean, unless you show me different. But I, the problem I find is I believe in people more than they believe in themselves. Yeah. 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 You know, and... I think the most beautiful thing that we can do is start sitting here saying, I'm nothing more than a mirror for you and you for me of what's possible. So there you go. There you go. I am so grateful to have met you, by the way. Like what a way to start my freaking gratitude week. Like, hello, I'm actually yes. going to this now. I'm going to have my group listen to it on the way to the Grand Canyon tomorrow so that so that they can step into this gratitude week, uh, this week of gratitude uh, with us as well, even though that's not even going to get released yet. But there you go. They get a, they get a preview and they get a pre-listen. Exclusive. I love it. Is there anything else? Because I do want to be also very conscious of uh your time and grateful for your time. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? I don't think I have any other questions for you, except that like, I'd love to have you on again at some point. (laughs) Please. Anytime I'm here for it. I would just say I am, I'm a motivational speaker. So obviously I speak on resilience. I speak on gratitude. I've also traveled to over 30 countries as captain of the USA national boxing team, where as captain, I would learn the do's and don'ts about each country and relay the message to my team so we're respectful ambassadors. Mm. Uh, so I know a lot about cultural communication and now I help. I'm a speaker on cultural communication as a diversity consultant. I also MC galas, I do stand-up comedy, and I'm a ring announcer. So if you need me, find me at camfawesome.com. I freaking love it. And is that your Instagram, Facebook? Where can people find you? Everywhere in uh, that? At camfawesome everywhere. I'm yeah. the only one. Well, I do know that because I searched. (laughs) (laughs) I did a little search on you beforehand. Well, thank you for being here. I really, I truly appreciate it. This has been such a great conversation. And for those of you that are listening, go grab your journals. Please go back and take more notes and reach out to Cam, reach out to me. Let's keep this ripple going because we are here for one another. We are mirrors for one another. And there is so much good within each and every one of us. Uh, the other thing I would like to say is if you are going to share this, please tag Cam and myself when you share this, not if, please tag Cam and myself in your social media posts or in your and or in your stories and let us share your journey, your share with our community as well. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, Cam. My friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so grateful to have you here. I'd love to invite you over to sarahschultingkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to survivor. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who may need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. 
Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you. And as I always say, I believe in you, us, always. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.